Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 and today we bring you a special show paying tribute to an incredible cricketer and person. Oh, he's hit that. It's going straight down the ground. Will it be over? It's it's a beautiful shot from Dean Jones. To many, Dean Jones will be remembered for his passion and enthusiasm covering the IPL in recent years. But his career on the pitch was just as impressive, playing over 50 test matches for Australia, winning the World Cup and changing ODI cricket on the way. Oh, that's a big arrogance there Jones has charged the ball, he should straight through the line to a vacant mid-off position. Over the next hour, I'm joined as always by former England bowler Steve Harmison, but also speak to those who were lucky enough to have shared a dressing room with him, as former Australian cricketer Damian Fleming joins us live from Melbourne, and we'll also review his time here in England with former Durham bowler Simon Brown. There it is, a century for Dean Jones. There's so much to get into as we pay tribute to the former Australian batsman Dean Jones, who this week sadly passed away at the age of 59. So, Steve, I, I think we've both got a lot to talk about here. I, I grew up under Dean Jones uh, and you, obviously, in Durham, almost almost a similar kind of situation. Uh, you know, what are your initial thoughts on, on the man? Yeah, it is so sad, Jared. It's you know, 1992, Durham became a first-class county, amateur to, to professional. And at the time, I'm 14-year-old, I started playing some representative cricket for Northumberland. Um, and it was it was a big thing. Local TV had a, a camera in the dressing room. Everything was was all about this 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 new thing in sport in the northeast. Um, huge from you know for Durham's member for the committee to bring the you know the professional to, uh, professional cricket to to the northeast of England. And it was it was a little bit of Dad's army when the, 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 it first started off. The likes of Serene Botham and Wayne Larkins. Um, David Graveney, but our first overseas was David. It was uh, Dean Jones, and I think because of it was on the television and it was prominent, it was new. It was something that was new to the area. I think a lot of young kids, you know, really tried to be 
you know, professional cricketers and I was it was probably my first taste of what it would be like to be a professional cricketer and then when I made my debut for Durham at 17 um, in 1996 it was it was as if you know this when this this whole project started off Dean Jones was the was the the lead figure along with Sir Ian Botham and um, he was somebody that we all looked up to because of his I think his status in the game and, and Durham would have brought him back in 1993 but for you know they thought that he was going to be in the Ashes uh, Ashes squad that came over but he didn't get selected for the Australian side and I think Durham had missed the bow and trying to get him as a, an overseas so he's somebody with you know, a, a huge affection in the northeast of England. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to cover with his career. But over the course of the hour, we'll be celebrating the life and career of Dean Jones. But before that, TalkSport 2's John Norman has been taking a look at his career in numbers. A fantastic career on the pitch and a charismatic personality off it, Dean Jones had a lasting impact on the game. He played 52 test matches, scoring 3,631 runs, and that included 11 centuries. And that's his 100. But it was his one-day cricket where he'll be most remembered. He notched up 164 ODIs for Australia, scoring over 6,000 runs at an impressive average of 44.61, and he even won the World Cup. Despite scoring almost 20,000 first-class runs at an average of over 50, over 10,000 list A runs and hitting 92 centuries, which included a highest score of 324 not out. There will always only be one Dean Jones. So I want to tell you one story about Dean Jones. So I have I have a million harmies. So there's no way we can get them through. So uh, my my mum lined up at uh, at a bookstore once to get his signature for me. It's still on uh, in my office. One day magic was the book. He wasn't a shy man. Um, when you name your book One Day Magic, you're you're, you're putting your day there. But there's a, he was such a fragile figure and. I'm sure some of our guests will, will continue to compare him to KP. He was very yeah. much like the Australian KP in many ways. And I remember him playing in the West Indies and, you know, he was desperate to get runs and he was clean bowled. I can't remember if, uh, um, uh, which one of the many West Indian quicks clean bowled him. And then he started to walk from the pitch, Harmy. And as he walked from the pitch, he realised that um, it might have even been Patrick Patterson had actually um, bowled a no ball. And he was so desperate to get back that he ran back. The West Indies saw him running back towards the wicket and they ran him out. And the umpires didn't get the laws right and gave him out, run out. Oh, no. It, it felt like, and, and he was told by Jeffrey Dujon afterwards, yeah, we knew you shouldn't have been out, but we appealed anywhere, anyway. And the umpire gave it out. For me, as a, as a young kid growing up, that's what Dean Jones was. There was, this, there was always this excitement that he could do anything. Like he made the double hundred in Chennai and, you know, almost died and, you know, uh, was vomiting on the pitch and probably had other liquids coming out of him on the pitch. And he made the double hundred against the West Indies as well. But there was always this feeling that something calamitous would go. You never knew if you were going to get the most exciting innings you had ever seen or just absolute fast with Dean Jones. And that's, that's always what it seemed to be. Yeah, he's he's somebody who I think in especially in white, white on one day cricket. You know, I, I had the fortune to play with David Boone for three years at Durham, my first ever captain, and he talked so fondly and you know, how great Dean Jones was as a player. And you know, we've got Flem coming on, and I just I, 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 I'm not sure what it would be like in that Victoria dressing room with <laughs> Dean Jones, Merv Hughes, and Shane Warne. It would be I think it would be an absolute nightmare to be in there. You'll be you'd be forever giggling and laughing, and I'm sure you know the the, the 
you know, the part-time, the part-time uh, social side will be fantastic. Um, but you know, some great characters of the game, and, and sadly, sadly, Dean's obviously he's passed away in, uh, in over in India doing something he loved doing. You know, when you talk to people that knew Dean Jones, or like you've just spoke spoke there fondly, or there um, somebody that's watched him for a long, long time, he loved the game of cricket. He loved talking about the game of cricket, and yes, a bit like KP, he enjoyed he enjoyed his own company. Um, he's somebody who was. Uh, was was definitely enjoyable to be around. Let's hear now from former England bowler and TalkSport regular Darren Goff, who has been paying tribute to him on Drive on TalkSport. He's a great bloke, Dean Jones. I managed to play against him um, on a few occasions when he played for Derby and Durham. Um, I spent three weeks with him in Australia playing beach cricket, which summed up Dean Jones, his personality. He divides opinion in Australia, around the world. He has done so much for kids over um, in Asia, especially uh, in India, in Pakistan, where he's coached a lot. He has his own TV show over there. And like I said, when he he talked there, Jared, and he talks about him, it's a great um, explanation of his career. Oakley's, sweatbands, arrogance, energy, passion, personality, that running between the wickets, staring down the ball at the fast bowlers, no matter who it was and how fast they bowled, winding the opposition up. He's a, he was a great competitor. Yeah, he was He was so interesting. You see a lot of um, young Victorian and Australian journalists coming out this week and talking about him. And they all said, you know, basically the same thing, which was, he didn't treat the, the non-playing journalists like they were anything different. Like, uh, it, you know, you come to my direct messages or he sees me in a press box, he would come over and chat to me about cricket in a way that not all former players do. There, there is a disconnect between former players and non-playing journalists quite a lot. Dino didn't have that. If, you, if he thought you knew something about cricket that he didn't know, he wanted that information. And it was that sort of energy that he brought to everything. He was constantly flying around the world. and he, I mean, we know of him as someone who commentated in the IPL and coached in the PSL. Those are two of the big leagues. But he would go off and do, you know, domestic Indian cricket that you and I wouldn't even flick on the television mm. for. And he'd be out there commentating. He actually just loved the game and he loved to, talking to people. It made him a very good... Uh, media personality because you could throw him into you know that there's that great video that went viral uh, this week of him um, giving a pitch report I think you know while, while he was r- r- uh, riding a donkey um, on the way to the ground he really did love people and loved the game and wanted to be involved and that's probably you know a part of the reason he became such a dynamic cricketer as well he was always thinking yeah and it's it's uh, the, the enthusiasm he had for for everything in life was was there for everybody to see and the passion for the game you know, like you say he wasn't he, he wasn't shy of getting involved in the culture as well we talked about you know talking about him mm. as a commentator here you know when he's in in the, the Pakistan Premier League it could be you could look at it and think oh, that's a bit dangerous going you know trying to sort of wear what you know the, the the uniforms but he just he just bought into everything he was so enthusiastic and like I said before as a cricketer he was somebody who I think a lot of people think that in the early days of white ball cricket, it wasn't in, not white ball and one day cricket. It was it was a Schlankens that came out and smashed it off the uh, in the first four uh, four to four to ten overs in the the '96 World Cup. But Dino did it with style and with elegance during his one day career. And you look at his one day numbers: 164 one day internationals, 
averaging four, nearly 45 with, with you know, with, uh, what is it? He had 45, uh, 46 50s and, and 700s. He was a smashing one-day player as well as he's, as well as averaging 46 in test match cricket. So, you know, he, not only was he a, a box office commentator, he was a box office cricketer as well. Yeah, and that, the whole box office, I mean, we're, I'm sure we'll talk more about his one-day cricket later on because it is phenomenal what he did for the game and how much modern one-day cricket became about what Dean Jones had done. But there was also just, there was always a sense of drama. I mean, uh, we haven't, you know, we probably won't spend a lot of time, but he was one of the most athletic fielders in the world and you would put him at points or gully or cover and he was diving around probably before cricketers regularly did that. And also, Harmy, just little things like he was the guy that sort of pioneered wearing sunglasses. Mm. And it took a personality like him to do it because when he wore sunglasses, there were like whole back pages of the, you know, the sports radio lines lit up with people abusing him and former players having a go. And he said, no, I think this actually helps me see the ball better. Um, and he would wear these ridiculous wraparound sunglasses that look, you know, hideous by today's standards. But he didn't care what other people thought. It was all about him making sure that he was happy. And he, he, he was a completely, he was a cricketer apart in many different ways because he didn't think like other people meant that he could change the game. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that, that's what made him, you know, so infectious for people to, to, to uh, I say his teammates loved him, and 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 people listening to him loved him. They could relate to, you know, relate to what he was saying and how he was commenting. He felt as though he was one of he was one of one of them that's watching the game, and enjoying the game. And like I said before, you you, you talk about him as a commentator, but I looked at him as as a cricketer. You know, I mentioned about the the Durham connection, um, but I think early growing up for me, you know, the early recognition of as a, as a junior, you just it was just Ashes cricket, wasn't it? It was Ashes cricket, and at the time, England were were just gonna you know, relinquish the Ashes for the you know I think in was it eighty six seven that was the last time we won it before two thousand and five, and in in ninety was it eighty nine, you know, Dean Jones, David Boone, they came over and they just got hundred after hundred with along with Jeff Marsh at the top of the order, um, and that. You you could argue set the, the the sort of the cornerstone the the concrete foundation for the next generation of Australians coming in behind them the the likes of you know Steve Wall after that his team after that Mark Taylor's team sorry then Steve Wall's team and then Ricky Ponton's team and I think it all probably started from Alan Border's lot in 1989 over in England when they won the Ashes for the first time and kept them for nearly 20 years. Just away nicely. That's four. That's a glorious shot. That's one of his best shots, in fact. Beautifully played. Burns goes for it and gets it. Good shot all on the ground. He's got the tremendous power. And Dean Jones will get a standing ovation from this packed ground here at the Gabba. What a magnificent spectacle it was. A magnificent innings. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Jared Kimber, and former England bowler Steve Harmson as we continue to pay tribute to the former Australian cricketer Dean Jones, who sadly passed away this week at the age of just 59. Joining us now is a man who had the pleasure of playing alongside him and someone who witnessed firsthand how Jones revolutionised cricket. Delighted that former Australian cricketer and now one of the country's leading broadcasters, Damien Fleming, joins us here on The Cricket Collective. Hello, Flem. How are you? Jared, Steve. How are you, boys? Very well, Um, pal. Very sad. With the passing, you know, of Dino, um, you know, and, and really feel for Jane and the family. And, and, and obviously, you know, it's 
we've heard about the heroics of, of Brett Lee, you know, in, in Dino's, um, you know, last little period there. But, uh, yeah, definitely the last few days have been a celebration of, uh, of Dino, the cricketer. And I want, want to take you back there, Flem. So you obviously, you're, you're a little bit younger than him. He was already a legend in Victorian cricket sort of before you came on the scene. So you would have started as a fan of his. Oh, definitely so. I mean, the first time I come across him, I played against him in a, in a grade semi-final and uh, I happened to get him out. So at 16 at school on the Monday, you know, I was a hero. <laughs> I'd got the great Dean Jones out. Um, I don't know whether it was the ball or the, the mullet that went halfway down the back that put Dino off. But but I debuted at 18 and, and straight away, uh, you know, the dressing room was massive with Dino and, and Merv Hughes and Simon O'Donnell. Um, and this was already Dino coming off, you know, some great test uh, double hundreds, but also, you know, he, he, the innovation, um, the excellence in one-day cricket where he really revolutionised it, didn't he, and modernised the game. But a lot of the attributes, um, particularly the running um, between the wickets and the pressuring of outfielders, which, Steve, we used to hate, didn't we, when we were on the fence, you know, the impact is still, um, you know, getting done now. And, 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 and now with T20 cricket, you know, he would have been an absolute superstar. And Femi, you talk about like the one day stuff that Dino he did. He was like a trailblazer because everybody just thought in 1996, Senna Joseph turned up, started whacking sixes and fours with a brand new white ball. And then all of a sudden, this pinch hitting role had come into it. But Dino did it with some style and flair like 10 years earlier. You know, I remember you talk about as a youngster, I, I was 14 when Durham first became first class county. And and Dino was our first overseas and this massive great big hype about Durham becoming going from amateurs to professional and then four years later I, I shared a dressing room with another colleague of yours who was my captain for three years it actually took me a year to speak to him because I was so in awe of Booney but the, the fondness that Booney talked about Dino and the way he played in that Victoria dressing room along with yeah, along with Merv as well it must have been a nightmare of addressing him to be in with Big Murph Hughes and Dean Jones. Yeah, we don't have enough time. I've room with Murph for six years, so six long, bloody years. Um, and, you, and, you, and you're talking about Booney and um, Dino. They were really close because I know you're a big footy fan, but they supported the Carlton Football Club here. So, you know, that was a joining up. But they batted so much together. Um, you know, I've pumped up his batting, but um, off the field, um, he was a 12th man's nightmare. Like, I, I probably played, you know, one day as when I was 18 for Victoria, was 12th man four times. But if he was not out in the morning, lads, you had to have your wits about you because you had to be out getting chewies. You had different gloves for different bowlers. Um, and then when he introduced the sunglasses, he had like eight different colours for eight <laughs> different shades of the day. So... I'd never been fitter than when I was 12th man for, for, for Dino. Um, but just a quick little story on him. Um, you know, I obviously wanted to do the right thing and be out there. And at 18, I was probably like you, Steve. I, I didn't chat at all. The boys thought I was mute. But I love my heavy metal, which I do to this day. And showing my age, I had this cassette Walkman. So I used to just play all, you know, Motley Crue and Iron Maiden and all this sort of stuff. Wait to Dino to call something straight out there and... So he's not out. Um, I, I get everything organised. I go up the stairs, um, you know, organised, ready to get there, press play on my Walkman, and it doesn't work. Press play again, and they're broken. 
I reckon. So I'm about to spray the boys. And then I hear this, Dino wants something. And I've gone, oh, God, what does he want? So I grab some gloves, grab a bat, run out the MCG. And you know how big the MCG yeah. is. <laughs> but instead of meeting you half, halfway to look after me, he stays mid-pitch. So I know he's... <laughs> so I'm going, God... I'm going to be throwing balls to him for about three hours here. <laughs> Run it as far as I could, get about two metres away, and he goes, hey, chance, like he used to call everyone. And I looked up and he threw the two batteries to the walking to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's worth talking, I think, Flem, just how big he was in Victoria. So Victoria is obviously, you know, a, a footy state, as you talked, you talked about Carlton already. And, you know, all the footy players were the big, biggest things in town. But Dino sort of just became the biggest thing in Victoria. And when he wasn't in the team, it was like there was a social injustice in Victoria at that time. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to play just a couple of one days before Dino finished up with, obviously, Shane Warne. You, you put Warne and Jones in the one-day team at the MCG, particularly against England. It's 85,000 people, mm. extra 30,000. And then, um, you know... If you take them out, you're looking at 55,000. But, um, you know, if there was a modern player that he reminded me of, was Kevin Peterson. You know, with their batting, you know, front foot, leg side heavy type of players. But, you know, the bigger the occasion, the more that they liked it. And they loved getting into the battle. And obviously their personalities um, were very similar as well. You know, they put people offside. Uh, they, they had big supporters as well. But, you know, back to Dino, um, and in some ways a bit of a contradiction too, that, you know, um, you know, that a lot of highs, but just with a little bit of lows. But, but boys, I was really pleased when he got put in the Cricket Australia Hall of Fame. I think it was the first tick to um, actually acknowledge one-day cricket. And we know his test record, record was fantastic. You know, average 46, some of the greatest test knocks of all time. But... You know, it was as a one-day player that was saying that he innovated and his legacy goes on. But I was really pleased um, that, that he was inducted because, um, you, you know, you think of guys like, like Michael Bevan and um, guys who were heavily weighted towards one-day cricket. I, I think it was a real clear acknowledgement that, um, you know, one-day cricket, T20 cricket's the legitimate form of the game. Fem, you mentioned there you took comparison with KP, and I can see that. And he wasn't sure. Dino wasn't sure of controversy, was he? He would, he would wind. He would do anything to wind the opposition up. I played with KP, and he was a master at it, trying to get under people's skin. And there was one. It's brilliant on YouTube, and I've seen it on 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 Sky over in England a few times. That when when he got under Curtly Ambrose's skin, you know, Curtly was bowling oh. well, so he decided he's going to take, make the big fella take his armbands off. Yeah, if you've had a poll of Australian cricketers that earlier that day and said, which Australian cricketer would I ask the scariest fast bowler in the world, Curtly Ambrose, to take off his sweatbands? It's not, it's not Boone, Border or Marsh. There's only one man, it's Dino, isn't it? And it bit him on the back, but um, there's times at work. I mean, he was also a contradiction as a player personality, but as a captain. You know, when he captained Victoria in one of his first games, we're playing Tasmania and, and they need 30 runs and only and we need two wickets. And Tazzy were quite conservative, so they shot up shop. And then Dino comes down and I'm bowling and he goes, start bowling no balls because no balls were worth two runs at this stage in Shield cricket. So I bowled a half a dozen of these to give them 12 runs. And then all of a sudden the gloves are coming up. You know, are they going to go for them? And we got a stumping at the other end to a leg spinner, Craig Howard. 
and we didn't get over the line. But I just thought, what sort of cricketer, how many other cricketers would actually think up that? And the contradiction is, you know, a couple of games later. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You know, um, I was bowling, Dino runs down, and I just want to bowl, really. And he goes, mate, what about a fly slip, you know, halfway down to boundary third man? What about a cow corner? And I just said, Dino, it's the first over of the game. <laughs> like, I've beaten about two times. Can I just bloody bowl? But um, And that's why the captaincy probably didn't sit perfectly with him because he did get a bit bored and he had so many ideas. But... You know, I think of that first instance. To think about getting your bowler to bowl two balls to get him in the game just showed, you know, he really did have some great ideas. And I just, just want to ask about, you know, his recent few years because, you know, he, he, he sort of became a writer and a commentator and he was an incredible cricket commentator, the way he could bring up one of his innings in every sort of commentary stint. But <laughs> he then goes on to coaching as well. It's quite clear how much – like he, he did love Dean Jones at a high level, Flem, but he also loved the game of cricket so much he, he could never really get away from it, could he? It was a mutual love, mutual love. Um, and, uh, you know, I often used to joke about his famous Madras 210 um, and how, how often he'd allude to it or talk about it. But I played first-class cricket with Dino for 10 years and he only ever got up to 156. You know, I didn't hear about the next 54 runs. He took that long to talk through it. But, um, but one thing that makes me feel good, boys, was, um, you know, the love affair, particularly, you know, he did some good work over in the... Pakistan Super League, but also in, in the IPL and, and Indian cricket. And, you know, they loved him and he loved being around it. And in particular, in that IPL 
um, Star Sports dugout, you know, I, I was lucky to be part of it in the first two years. Um, you know, I, you know, often you know felt like he re- real at home there, and he loved it, and he, and he could talk to people who who equally loved cricket himself. So, in some ways, um, you know, he was probably you know having a, having a ball over there, and and, and to obviously the unfortunate passing. But no, no one loved cricket. The game itself, and you would have talked to him a lot um, over the years, Jared, than, than Dean Jones. No, definitely, definitely. I mean, he just—he was completely uh, swept up in it. I, I mean, you probably know the story about him offering to go to the Hong Kong Blitz. I mean, that sort of tells you everything about him. He just wanted to be around it at all times. Thank you very much for coming on, Flem. Cheers, Flem. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Dave. So that was former Australian and Victorian cricketer Damien Fleming there. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll discuss the impact that Dean Jones had on English cricket as the former England and Durham bowler Simon Brown takes us back with their time together in the North East. Oh, he smashed that one. That'll end up in Coco's. It's gone miles. It's a big six. Huge six there from Dean Jones. He's decided to let loose. At six, over she goes. Second six for Dean Jones. Well, that's beautifully played. Dean Jones whipping that one away behind square on the leg stump. This is the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Jared Kimber, and Ashes winner, former and former Durham bowler, importantly, Steve Harmison, as we continue to pay tribute to the former Australian batsman Dean Jones. As well as playing over 50 test matches, Jones had a spell in English cricket, playing for Durham in 1992, before captaining Derbyshire to second place in the 1996 County Championship, their best finish for 60 years. Joining us here on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 is a man that played alongside him at Durham in the early 90s, and that's former England bowler Simon Brown. Simon, thanks for coming on. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, you must have some memories of Dean Jones. He's not a man that you, you can't remember, is he? <laughs> no, definitely. He definitely makes an impact wherever he goes, Dean. Um, yeah, I mean, fantastic playing with him. And Durham's sort of first season when we were a real mixed bag of players where we had some older guys who played quite long careers at other counties and came to Durham just to give them a bit of a leg up for the first couple of years. Um, obviously, both them, Wayne Larkins, Paul Parker, Simon Hughes and David Gravely, people like that who'd had, like you say, established careers. And some younger lads like myself who nearly bounced around, played a couple of seasons here and there, not really managed to establish ourselves at that point, normally kind of late teens, early 20s. Um, and Dino sort of bridged the gap in between age-wise, but you had all, obviously all the respect from the senior guys because of what he'd done. Um, but because he was a little bit younger than them, he sort of associated a bit more with the, the younger lads who were coming through. But yes, you're right. He was a larger-than-life character. And, and Simon, the, the, you about the dressing rooms and you talk about that Durham as a, a young county 1992 our first year we've played at five or six different grounds the likes of Hartlepool and Gateshead Fell and Chesley Street's other the other cricket ground small intimate dressing rooms so characters will sort of come to the fore oh definitely yeah <laughs> yeah definitely um, and you're right changing rooms that weren't necessarily designed for first class cricket let's say uh, some better than others, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you're kind of on top of each other, um, and in good times, it, it's great. Everybody sort of, you know, it's a really good atmosphere because it's so tightly knit. When things are getting a bit tough, you kind of just want to sort of get out of the way a little bit, and there's not an awful lot of room really. But to be fair, the characters that we had within the dressing room, that all other than I say, other than the sort of younger lads like myself who were coming through, 
they'd all kind of seen both ends of the spectrum. They've had such fantastic success, but they'd all seen tough times. Um, and it was a reasonably balanced uh, room, to be honest with you. I mean, as much as anything, you had to make sure you didn't wake Beefy up. So, you know, you had to, you had to be sort of fairly quiet. And, and you know, that, that first year when, when Dean came, it was 2000, 2000 runs. He got, he got off to a great start, though, against Lancashire on TV. He did. Oh, I mean, the, the first game we ever played, the, uh, I think it was the 40-over game at the time, the Sunday League, as was, um, against Lancashire, who at the time were really the one-day champs. They, they, were, they were the team to beat in one-day cricket. Um, and I remember going out to field, and I forget who it was. Somebody said, oh, I hope we give them a good game. And then, I mean, Dino got 100, played brilliantly. I think Wayne Larkin's got 50-odd, played bad really well at the start of the innings. And it was a fantastic game. We got a good score because of Dino's 100 and people playing around him. Game swung backwards and forwards. We had it in the bag. They took it back. We had it again. And and both of them, having not done an awful lot in the game, kind of ran somebody out in the second last over, I think it was, to win the game. Um, and like I say, it was really sort of Dino's 100 in that game was the thing that really set us up. And it made people sort of sit up and take notice that Ati Durham are going to be a team that you're going to have to contend with. Um, and like you said, that was just something that he brought throughout all of the time that he was there. He was so... He was so sort of positive and competitive in everything that he did. Even if you watched him practice, um, like you say, he just he just went about things in such a sort of positive and and focused way. It was infectious, really. And he he played one day cricket not like other players. And by that stage, it was starting to seep into in, international cricket. But England still played one day cricket in a very a much more staid way than certainly Dean Jones yeah. did. Did he change the way that you guys looked at the white ball games? Absolutely. Um, and it was Red Bull at the time. <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, to be fair, we were just changing into... Showing uh, your age there, Joe. Colour, colour. <laughs> I know, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. hey, I, I played when it was still limited. Run-ups and 40 overs, but anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, Dean, yeah, the whole, like, yeah, the whole way he went about it was it rubbed off on the way that we played. I mean, literally every run, every single that he took, even if he would sort of didn't hit the ball beyond the 30-metre circle... He would be looking, pushing for two, putting pressure on the fielders all the time, um, just up the intensity, the way that everybody played the game. And you're right, England certainly didn't play one-day cricket like that at that time. And I think he globally probably had the biggest impact of any batsman, the way that one-day cricket was played. I can't think of anybody else at that time who was, uh, like you say, really changing the way the game was played. There's been others since. I mean, Michael Bevan's the one that springs to mind who kind of emulated the way Dean played. Um, and I'm sure that he would have learned a lot of his uh, a lot of his sort of skills from watching Dino and the way that he played. But yeah, it was, a, it was just a different way to play the game and a different intensity level. And the area got cricket because of that, didn't it, Simon? You know, the, the, yes. the Durham, the Durham, um, I would say that it was a bit like Dad's, you mentioned before, it was a bit like Dad's Army. But <laughs> when we first got into professional cricket in the North East, yeah, the area got to it because of the characters like Dean Jones. I know Serene Botham was huge on it, but because of the, the star of, of, of Dean Jones. Yeah, definitely. So you're right. I mean, Simon Beefy was a big uh, was a big thing for us. But Dean at that time was obviously kind of at the peak of his game, I would say. And I mean, obviously, you know yourself, Harvey, that the football is so dominant in the northeast. But having a, a professional first-class county up there, having had one of the better minor counties for a number of years, um, and managed to turn over some of the first-class counties every now and again. But to launch a new county was such a big thing. And you're right, going around playing at some of the, the club grounds, some of the better club grounds in the area, 
the supporters were really close to what was going on because the games were because the, like you say the grounds weren't massive and again it just gave you a great atmosphere and going back to that first game that we played against Lancashire um, the racecourse ground at Durham down by the riverside there they, I think the capacity was supposed to be about three and a half or four thousand, and they had these sort of big Hessian sheets up to provide a bit of a sort of a barrier, if you like, a sort of a, a fence. But I think after about three overs, they'd gone, and I think there was about eight or nine thousand. Apparently, by the end of the game, there was people up on the bank, there was people sitting on the roofs of the houses, um, overlooking the ground. Uh, there's the sort of pub, the dumb cow in Durham, and there was literally people sitting on the roof watching from up there. And the fact that it was such a good game and a close finish, and obviously we won, um, that really just ignited the sort of passion, I think, for Durham um, and cricket in the area where perhaps there was a little bit of scepticism whether we were going to be able to compete on the stage because of the, the allegiance to football, but that certainly got us going. I just want to talk about his batting a little bit. Obviously, you were a bowler and you had to bowl against him as well in county cricket. He was he was such an active player. Um, we, we've already heard Damien Fleming and myself compare him to KP, very leg-side dominant. But it always felt like with, with, with Dino, there was a lot of moving parts and that he was always trying to get on top of you. He wasn't just waiting to see what you bowled. He, was, he would come down the wicket. He would sometimes walk across his stumps. There, there was a lot going on with his batting, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, and it um, it was really easy to let it disrupt you if you're not careful, and to sort of stick to your own game and try and make sure that you were trying to bowl the ball in the right place and do your thing. It was really difficult with somebody like Dean because, like you say, he might take a couple of steps down the pitch, and it might not be that he was looking to sort of necessarily sort of whack you for four, but it would just be to just mess your length up or just make you think differently. Um, and the, the big thing I always thought when I played against him was. It was incredibly difficult to bowl six balls that he wasn't going to score off. There was always going to be, he'd managed to, like you say, he might sort of go across the stumps a little bit and, and nudge it into the leg side and get a single. And he was so quick between the stumps as well. And he was really good at just sort of dropping the ball with soft hands and, and pinching a single away. You'd think, you know, there really shouldn't be a run there. And it, it became incredibly frustrating at times. And you'd look at the scoreboard and think, he's got 25 30, and I don't remember him playing a shot in anger yet. Um, so there was always something happening when he played the game. The fact I mentioned earlier on, he played at a, a different sort of intensity where every ball was was really active and there was always action surrounding everything when he was involved. And, and it seems like a lot of those Australian cricketers when they came into counter cricket brought a level of professionalism. But even even among those, D- Dean Jones was so fit. I mean, you, you've talked about David Boone coming in. David Boone probably fit maybe the, the physical specimen more of county cricket at the time, whereas Dean Jones, uh, you know, was built like a runner, was an incredible athlete in the field. Uh, it, it really was, it was almost like dropping an alien into that sort of a cricket culture, especially as, as you've talked about with so many of the, uh, for, you know, the older players playing, they weren't the sort of physical specimens that he was yeah definitely um and again i mean that's up the ante in the field as well so he was i I remember a few times actually sort of when i was bowling this is more so in the sort of championship games at the time in those early days durham didn't have an awful lot of firepower and we like you say we struggled a little bit to bowl sides out and he was he was always really enthusiastic he was always trying to sort of g you up when you were bowling and the amount of times he'd sort of sprint from one end of the pitch to the other, come and put his arm round you at the end of the over and just encourage you. And he said a lot, I remember this particular expression that he used a lot. He said, hey, mate, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> um, and he just used to keep saying sort of things like that. And it was like, yeah, okay, I kind of get that. And that just sort of kept keep you going, really. And whenever we saw, whenever we got a wicket and the team would come together in a bit of a huddle, he was always right in the middle and sort of leading the charge as the, the kind of cheerleader, if you like, really. Um, and again, that was just something else that just upped the whole 
the whole level that we were playing at at the time. Beautiful. That was Simon Brown there. Thank you very much for Cheers. coming on, Simon, former England and Durham uh, teammate of Dean Jones. Cheers, Job. No problem, guys. Cheers. Well, he smashed that one away, too. That's six to a real flat six. A magnificent shot from Dean Jones. Oh, he's hit that. It's going straight down the ground. Will it be over? It's six. A beautiful shot from Dean Jones. Oh, just reach out and catch it, Jeffrey. Dean Jones is batting a thousand in this innings. Magnificent play. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Jared Kimber, and former England bowler Steve Harmson as we continue to pay tribute to the former Australian batsman and World Cup winner Dean Jones, who passed away at the age of just 59. Uh, Dean Jones obviously played over 50 test matches, but it's really one-day cricket where where his reputation and he is remembered for the most. And I think a lot of that comes from, Harmy, the fact that before Dean Jones took one-day cricket seriously, no one kind of ever had. Um, you had Javed Dad was very clever at hitting the ball into gaps and realising that if you hit the ball over people's heads, uh, there wouldn't be a fielder there. But Dean Jones kind of brought all that together, and he, he brought together, he played one-day cricket in a formula, which was, when the field is up, I'm going to hit the ball over the fielder's head, and I'm going to try and turn every single into a two, and I'm going to be coming at the bowler so coming down the wicket to disrupt the lines and lengths and sometimes I'll go back in the crease and sometimes I'll go across the stumps he did all those things very early on in a way that other cricketers just didn't do and it completely changed one day cricket for for a period from probably 1986 to 1991 he was not just one of the best players in the world and probably the best batsman at at certain times but he was also just completely unlike any other one day cricketer that had ever existed before him he did and I think the way Dean played the 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 the, the one-day game is a little bit when you look at the modern-day game now. Um, he he was probably one of the first person really to sort of put energy into the game. Mm-hmm. I think the to the the energy you need, like, like you mentioned, the diving around in the field, you know, trying to turn ones into twos, you know, using you know the the other gaps and hitting balls over people. Nobody was really nobody did that really before and one day cricket was possibly thought of uh, it's a new form of the game that nobody really took that much seriously a little bit like 2020 when 2020 come around it was a hit and giggle and nobody's really that bothered where now 2020 globally is 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 financially keeping the game going so i think when he first came into one day cricket that it looked that that different but it was so simple, and it's where the game's moved on to, is that you do have to have energy in one-day cricket. You do have to be – you need to be maneuverable in the field. You do have to hit balls in areas where you know, you're taking risks. Um, and, and Dean Jones was one of the first people to do that, and he was – like many people have said – yeah, since since he sadly passed away, that he was a trailblazer in one-day cricket, and he was somebody who, who really give a lot of other people, possibly better players, more technically better players than himself, um, and took their games to a new level as well. Well, I can tell you one. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I talked to Ricky Ponting about the evolution of one-day cricket, and the first name he mentioned was Dean Jones. So Ricky Ponting directly looked at Dean Jones's career, and it was in two different ways. One thing was Ricky Ponting grew up not knowing that one-day cricket wasn't to be taken seriously. He was that first generation who really believed that, and part of that reason was because Dean Jones had taken it so seriously and done so well with it. So if you look at Ricky Ponting's one-day game, it is pretty much uh, just a better version of what Dean Jones did, just because. 
Ricky Ponting was a better player. But, it, you know, the fielding, uh, you know, the, the batting, the running between wickets, all those sorts of things that, you know, all come from Dean Jones originally. So he certainly did have a huge impact. And then what's really interesting is, and he might have got this for, uh, partly from his uh, friendship with um, uh, Simon uh, Hughes, Yoza, um, in that Yoza became the analyst and Dean Jones then became uh, Professor Dino. And I can tell you this, Harmy, and you've probably done it as well. I've actually been on a Professor Dino um, uh, clip before when he was with NDTV, I think is when he came up with the idea. And he would dress up like a professor um, and be on Indian TV. And I was beside him as he was saying professory things. But he really, because he looked at the game at such in such a deep way, and he always had, for all his imperfections and... Obviously, he got involved with controversies when it became with Victoria or Australia or Derbyshire. And also, let's not forget the, the Hashim Amla um, yeah. uh, comment as well. He, he actually, though, beneath all that, just absolutely loved cricket and loved talking about cricket. And that Professor Dino character is almost the perfect way of explaining Dean Jones in that he's talking about himself, but he's talking about the game and he's making fun of himself all at the same time, isn't he? But he is, but I think he can do that. And I, <clears throat> there's not many people I've played with or being in the company of who can talk about themselves so much and actually not become annoying or not sound <laughs> sound irritating or Darren Goff is one Darren Goff is the best ever at you know everything comes back to something he's done in life and he's sound and he's brilliant at it he's absolutely fantastic at it and Dean Jones is the same he's somebody who you wanted to listen to he's somebody you actually wanted to believe in and you did believe in him especially when he talked about the game of cricket because his enthusiasm and passion for the game made you want to believe that he was his opinions uh, his philosophy was was the right one and he took that into i think he took that into his a little bit of coaching as well he with islamabad i think in the last couple of years in the psl you know doing that and i would imagine not so much the coaching side of it because i, I think when you when you talk to great players and you talk or talk to good players at the elite level i think if you build them up and you talk to them in such a way where you make them believe in themselves to go out and perform, then you're three quarters of the way there to to making your team better. And that's why I think Dean Jones not so much would have been a great coach, he'd been a good person to have around in a dressing room um, during practice days and getting especially your top individuals to go out mm. and perform and feel good about themselves. And like you say, when he did speak about the game on TV, um, he spoke about it in such a way where he made you believe that he was not only was he right, but because he talked about himself quite a bit, you could relate to you could relate to thinking, well, actually, he has done it. He has got the T-shirt. He is. <clears throat> he does believe in what he says. And more often than not, he was he was pretty spot on. Let's hear now from former England bowler and TalkSport regular Darren Goff, who's been explaining on TalkSport just how cricket mad Dean Jones was. I was just watching a video of him yesterday because I'm good friends with a guy who's over there really close to him, Scott Styris, New Zealander, great bloke, Scott Styris. And he's gutted. He texts me um, today and they were there working with him uh, when it all happened. And he was talking about... Um, he's just he, he just can't believe it and he put a video up yesterday taking the mickey out of Dean Jones because every minute of every day he talks about cricket you, he, 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 whether he's taking the mickey out of himself or taking the mickey out of someone else and he had this audience and Styris was uh, videoing him and he had his Indian outfit on which they wear for uh, Star Sports over there and he was showing them and explaining how Shane Warne bowls a flipper 
And they had this audience of some of the uh, ladies and gentlemen who worked for Star Sports. Uh, he had loads of them over there, and he was there bowling it to them. And Starry said, Dino, shut up. <laughs> and he just never knew how to shut up because he was always talking about cricket and and trying to teach people that, that, that some of the great arts of cricket. Um, and he'll be sadly missed. So, Harmony, I think... You know, we, we've danced around this the whole time. I do have the autographed copy of Dean Jones' One Day Magic in my house. Uh, it's important to say when I was, I started playing cricket when I was seven and I made my father buy me a county bat. That's the Australian county yeah. uh, bat. And that was because that was the bat that Dean Jones used. Uh, when I got to about nine or ten, I started charging down the wicket to seam bowlers, which absolutely terrified my father. Um, I pro- probably wasn't good enough to do it. Um I had the big wide stance. I would tap the back of my foot. I would use the zinc on my bottom lip. Uh, once I got set, Harmy, and I decided it was time to start hitting fours and sixes, I would call for the wide brim hat because that's what Dino did. That incredible one-day innings of 145 against England where he starts with the normal one-day cap and then when he wants to go party time, he gets the wide brim hat. I mean, that basically, you know, that that was how I copied his career. He was so important um, in me loving the game and learning the game and everything he, because he was this huge figure in Victorian cricket especially. And, you know, throughout the whole 90s, after he got dropped, you would go to the MCG for the next six years and people would have banners up saying, bring back Dino, because people just loved him so much Um, in Victoria. He was that kind of infectious figure, wasn't he? He was. He was somebody who, like we've we've all said, you know, the the guests in in everybody that spoke about Dean since his side pass and that, he had this he had this aura about him, this infectiousness about him that when you were in his company in the bar, you knew you were in for a good time and a good laugh. And you know, if if you were in the dressing room with him, you knew that he was in the dressing room and he was holding court. And then when he was out on the field, he was especially if you were on his team, uh, you knew for you were in in for something special and and exciting. He was like always there to excite people. That's the thing I get. He's he was always there to educate and excite people, whether he was commentating or whether he was playing. Um, and for us, 17, 18 year old lads, like myself and Paul Collingwood, who would who would be in the dressing room at the time, um, it was we it was it was brilliant. And we had a little connection with him because of of the time he spent at Durham. So it um it is it's it's sad what's you know when you you speak about people in such a high and nice regard um when they sadly passed away but i think a lot of people had the same opinion and spoke very fondly about dean uh when he was in the commentary box or when he was in the bar um not so not, not too long ago yeah i just want to pick up a couple of words you said there harmy you talked about how he loved to educate and excite i think the legacy that he's going to leave is really entertaining. Yeah, That's what he was. He was an entertainer and he did that as a cricketer and he did that as a commentator. He even did that as a coach. He, he, you know, he held court and he was someone that you had to watch. Uh, I think for a whole generation of, of um, Australian uh, cricket fans growing up, especially Victorian cricket fans, for us, he was just the first hero. Um, and, you know, one day cricket, we've talked about it a lot, but one day cricket, even when in Australia where you, you used a white ball and you played in coloured clothes, it was still basically a very boring form of cricket. And Dean Jones came along and everything he did was exhilarating and entertaining and exciting. And you weren't sure where it was going to go and how well it was going to um, end up. And it quite often felt like everything was going to fall apart with him. But you had to watch. 
you had to watch him as a cricketer. And to be fair, he maintained that, I think, as a commentator and as a man throughout his life. So, you know, just want to talk, uh, say to his family, you know, condolences mm, um, and to everyone in cricket um, who, who came across him because he certainly was one of the true, you know, big, big uh, personalities when it came in cricket. And uh, absolute honour. Thanks to TalkSport uh, 2 for allowing us to come on and chat to him. And thank you very much, Harmy, for coming on as well. Absolute pleasure, Jared. In such sad circumstances to talk about an individual who will sadly be missed, but I don't think you'll, I don't think you can underestimate what that guy, Dean Jones, give, not only to English cricket, but for the world and the global game. He was an absolute superstar as a person, as a cricketer, and as a commentator. Um, and he's obviously his his legacy will live on. But you know the person will you know the person of of great great stature um, will sadly sadly be missed. Definitely. And uh, uh, just one final comment from me: that uh, right through the nineties, if you're at the MCG, someone always had a bring back Dino poster up, and uh, it feels like that is a very apt thing now because I think there are a lot of people missing him who wish he would be brought back. But you've been listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two. If you've missed the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, and now the free TalkSport app. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final... You can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.